Rise Ashen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Julie. It's a real pleasure. I, uh, funnily enough, so I'm based out of Ottawa. You're in Ottawa as well, and the majority of my guests are actually international usually. So it's kind of nice to have, uh, you know, um, an Ottawan for a change. Nice to be here. And you know, whenever somebody's from <laughs> Ottawa and we don't know them, we go, "Hey, I, I can't believe I don't know." But there are a million people live in this city, so exactly. <laughs> odds are you probably don't know everybody. And for the Americans who are listening, uh, Ottawa is the capital city of Canada. So while we're not the biggest city, we uh, it's still uh, a million people, like uh, like Rise just said, and growing too. Exactly. Uh, so Rise Ashen, you are a musician, a DJ, a producer, a dancer, a movement artist. Uh, anything else you need me to add to that list? Oh, dad, cook, <laughs> driver. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All the domestic uh, stuff on top of that. Um, so, and you've been, uh, I guess, performing for most of your life, haven't you? I have. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a journey of of performing and learning about art, and it's been wonderful. Yeah, and you're originally from Montreal. I am. Yeah, I was born and uh, spent the first few years in Montreal. My dad was a civil servant, and we traveled around a little bit. Went to Europe and uh, came to Ottawa when I was about 14 with my family. Okay, so the the thing is, we're going to put a link to a YouTube video that you sent me. Uh, that YouTube video has a really good overview of your biography, how you came to be as a, as a musician and an artist. So I'm going to implore everybody who's listening to watch that video and then return to this podcast, because I really want to start off with um, what really amazes me about musicians in Canada is uh, the tenacity to survive in Canada. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, it is um, a bit of a journey. So I'm really curious to know. Um, it seems to me that you just met a lot of really cool people along the way that shaped your career, right? Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. It's just been, um, like I said, a, a trip, a journey, you know, and a constant uh, process of, of learning and of having my eyes opened by all these incredible artists that I've had the, the blessing to, to come across over the years. So like, who's a, who's somebody who's shaped your career the most, would you say? Oh, I'd say, I mean, you know, when you're talking about American listeners, some of the uh, American artists that I've I've gotten to work with and collaborate and study from as well, uh, particularly, you know, in the house dance scene in New York City, uh, a lot of the older dancers, you know, I'm thinking of in particular people like Bravo, Bram's La Fortune and uh, Archie Burnett um, in, in Brooklyn, some of the, the old school house dancers, you know, I mean, they've really shaped my whole way of, of thinking about art. Uh, but equally a lot of the young artists that I've met as well, people from here, people in Europe. And, um, I just think artists, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what we do. It's amazing what they do. And, um, you know, each artist as they're going along, they're, they're kind of figuring out the, the code you know, kind of figuring out how they're going to express themselves, how they're going to relate to the world and how they're going to contribute to the world. And it's an amazing thing to be exposed to all their different ways of thinking. There's really no rules involved. Each, each artist chooses their own path and uh, kind of crafts their identity. And it's, it's amazing. I like how you described it as figuring out the code. I'm curious to know at what point in your life did you feel like you had figured it out? 
I still really don't feel like I've figured it out, <laughs> honestly, Julie. Um, you know, but I would say in the last 10 years, um, certainly a lot more, uh, di- the direction has become a lot more, uh, I would say, consistent and more honed, put it that way. Like the target is is in view, you know? Um, so, you know, for, for one of the disciplines, like I was just out skateboarding earlier and it's something that I dabbled in my whole life. You were mentioning BMXing earlier and, you know, just I think it's important to throw yourself into other pursuits as well and just keep an open mind and keep, you know, um, just keep exploring. But certainly for music and, and production of music in the last 10 years, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm finally making the music, put it this way, I'm making the music that I dreamt of music when I was, you know, dreamt of making when I was 14. And I remember distinctly, you know, hearing some great artists when I was 14, 15 and going like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if I could do that? And now I do feel like I'm I'm in that league again. And I, or finally, I'm in that league and I'm able to express myself in those ways. That's another, it's, that's really interesting what you're saying, because I had the White Walker from Game of Thrones, um, Ross Mullen, who's uh, the actor, and he was saying that, you know, his whole childhood, he wanted to play monsters on TV, and he <laughs> finally got to do it. And I think that that's something that is very common among artists, where they almost kind of have a promise to themselves. Uh, mm. You know, to be to be the person they always envisioned being when they were when they were a kid. So I guess you always knew when you were a kid that you wanted to be an, an artist. Yeah, I I don't know that I it was that. Um, you know, I don't know that it was that formalized in my mind. But one thing for sure is I knew I wanted to make the art. Like I loved it. I loved consuming it. I loved watching it. You know, um, I forget who whose quote it is, but. I heard once that, you know, artists, when we're starting out, we have great taste, but then it takes a while for our, our, our aptitudes to catch up to our taste, right? And so we know we have this this instinctive almost um, connection to the art and, and it speaks to us in a, in, a, in a very profound way, even though, you know, we don't understand really the whole scope of what's happening. You know, I remember... I remember with dance, I remember watching dancers and just marveling and just going into this zone of like just zoning out completely. And it still happens to me, but it happens less now. Uh, Same with musicians. You know, I remember listening and watching to them play and then just literally just blanking out and just having this emotion, pure emotional connection to, to the, what they were doing, but not understanding how they were doing it. So I think as you're going along as an artist, you start to piece together what it is exactly that you're fascinated with and you start to understand the language of the art and then slowly as you're as you're practicing and you're working it you end up developing your craft and and then you know the one of the i don't want to say that it's sad but it's it's one of the realities of being an artist is as you go along some of the magic does not disappear but it shifts and it's no longer this magical well for there's still the magic right and the magic happens sometimes but it's no longer this mystical you know instantaneously mystical always experience when you listen to something or when you see something you you kind of understand what goes into it a lot more and so the the relationship that you have to the art changes right so I'm uh, just to to kind of tell people a little bit more about uh, you and your style. Um, do you do you have like a specific? Is there like a, a, a what's the best way to describe the kind of uh, music that you make? Is it house? Is it techno? Like what? How do we call it? 
Um, well, lately I've just been saying futuristic music because I think, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a catch all way that I can express kind of where it's coming from, but certainly, you know, house music is a huge influence and, and a lot of the music that I make could be qualified as house music, um, you know, instrumental hip hop, a lot of it in the down tempo and the lower tempo ranges. Um, but the music that I really am fascinated with and the thing I've been chasing the most is the, the intersection of traditional music and futuristic music. So music that draws upon traditions. And uh, I say the biggest influence and, and the thing that I've learned the most from and that I pursue the most is the music of the African diaspora. So all of the different genres and subgenres and, and different variations of, of things that came out of the, the experience of basically the African diaspora. So, you know, in each each country um, where that African music was exported, um, along with the diaspora, they, there were influences and and things that that changed the music, and and it created this enormous variety of music around the world. Um, and so that's definitely the music that I've learned the most from. Um, but uh, at the same time, in the last ten years, I've collaborated with a lot of indigenous artists, and so I think um, you know it's shifted a lot and changed and. The music that really, really gets me going the most is where there are ancient traditions of music that are blended with uh, contemporary technologies. So, you know, and hip hop was that. And, you know, when it started in the late 70s, early 80s, it was the influence of um, basically American funk, which is itself, you know, already a mutated version of, of, you know, African music, essentially. And then, you know, that blended with European electronic music uh, created this whole new thing. And so, yeah, it's that that blend of of styles and genres and technologies that just creates this new, you know, ever changing, um, you know, movement. And and at every generation, the musicians are adding to it, and they're they're growing. But it's always with with an ear to the past as well, because I think that's the the beautiful thing about music is it's constantly changing and it's constantly reinventing itself. And, and every artist always wants to be the freshest kid. You know, they always want to have, they want to bring their special sauce to the mix. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's this amazing, constantly shifting thing. So yeah, it's kind of hard to say, well, I make EDM, <laughs> but right, you know, it's, right. it, you know, some people, like if you don't know EDM, then maybe it, that's what it's going to sound like to you. But um, if you're really, really steeped in it, then, you know, uh, it's kind of global grooves is what some people call it or you know depending on what the tempo is of the song sometimes it sounds like drum and bass sometimes it sounds like house sometimes it sounds like instrumental hip-hop and and then i've worked with lots of hip-hop artists as well so then it sounds definitely like 100 percent hip-hop you know right it, it's funny that you 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 talked about the origins of hip-hop but i remember back in i think it must have been in the late 80s listening to grandmaster flash you know back mm -hmm. in the day like this little white girl in sudbury who's like listening to all this like this kind of like you know record scratching new sound that i never yeah. heard before this wasn't rock and roll this no, was, was something else yeah it, it was, was mind-blowing mind -blowing. Right? yeah it was, Man, it was it incredible. Was amazing. And, you know, New York is, is just this incredible place. And to me, like, I mean, I went there in, in the late eighties on a school trip and I remember going to record stores and just being like, oh my God, you know, just the variety and the madness of, of all the, the new things. And then I remember guys selling their tapes and I was just buying everything, <laughs> just spent all my money on the first day. Like I just bought everything, any tape, any record, anything I could find that I didn't know, I would just buy it and uh i was just 
flabbergasted by the the amount of culture that was coming out of that place and and then about um you know 2007 my partner tangent and i got together and we started going down there no it would have been 2004 sorry and we started going down there and then we started meeting a lot of the teachers like we would just go to broadway dance studios or you know perry dance or you know um, pmt a lot of the the you know the more commercial dance studios but they all have a wing of like you know the urban music wing where they have the real teachers that are teaching the real stuff and and we would just be talking to these people and then just starting to scratch the surface of the history of dance culture in new york and it's just so deep and, it, and you know it's it's absolutely amazing the influence that New York City has had on the world and it's every single city in the world from you know from China, India, you know all across Africa, everywhere everybody knows New York City music, you know. Absolutely. And is there a reason why you never moved to New York City? Well, I mean, you know, you have to be an American or have some, some sort of card to, to get across there. And, you know, I mean, it's a different world. Like American society is completely different from, from here. I mean, it's not completely different, but it's it's fundamentally different in many different ways. And so, I don't know, the idea never really dawned on me, uh, honestly. I think uh, maybe I'll look into it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always no. a place that you you went back to, I guess, for oh, reference for sure. and for learning and, oh, yeah. and all that. But, I gotta say, I mean, I I feel so on edge the minute I cross the border. Like it's just a different place. You know, I'm very keenly aware of all the differences. And I mean, we 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 used to before the pandemic go, you know, pretty consistently. And my partner's parents, father now actually lives in Washington D.C. So you know, I spent some time there. I've trained at the American Parkour Academy in Washington D.C., which is a beautiful, well, it was a beautiful place. Um, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I think he's closed now. Uh, Mark has closed it down after the the pandemic. Just it it wasn't working out. Um, but um, you know, so you know, going there has always been an, an amazing thing. But I mean, I feel like you know, I'm on edge the entire time. You know, from the time you cross the border, it's just you really feel foreign. I mean, I really feel foreign. I know some people feel at home there, but um, you know, some Canadians feel at home in the States, but I just, um, it's its a very intense cultural experience for me. I don't know. I think it would take me 20 years to, to be able to relax down there. <laughs> well, I think it, you know, the times have changed. Let's, let's just, you know, call it what it is. It's that everything mm -hmm. is, is heightened, uh, you know, or has been at least maybe even for the past 10 years, it's been kind of different. Um, and perhaps Canada and the United States are even growing more differently than before. I don't know. Um, well, social media has changed the world, you know, it's uh, in, in amazing ways and in incredibly horrible ways as well. And uh, it's definitely, um, you know, it's changed the way that we conceive of ourselves. It's changed the way that we relate to each other. And, uh, and it's certainly changed our relationship to art dramatically. Yeah. So it, it's funny because I was going to ask you about the New York art scene and uh, maybe let's talk about that first, but I also want to talk about the arts on social media. So let's start with the New York art scene. Um, I, I, I imagine you haven't been in, in a couple of years and mostly yeah. because of the pandemic, but mm -hmm. do you find that since you last, you know, since you started going there to explore hip hop and stuff, has it, uh, has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? What's it been like? Well, um, 
You know, in, in the States, my experience, and I, I mean, I'm no expert in, in the New York City art scene at all. Like, um, so this is just really speaking as an outsider. From your perspective. My perspective is that, you know, the American, like their star system that they have set up down there is like nothing else in the entire world, right? So when you make it in the U.S., you make it, <laughs> you know, everybody else is is just in the same position that most Canadian artists are in, you know, so you've got this real, you know, I would say 90, you know, I don't know. 95%, 98% of the artists are just working really hard and, and struggling. And then you've got this very, very small uh, percentage who are doing amazingly well. That said, <clears throat> you know, the artists who are the, the successful artists in that that 98%, the ones that are managing to, to make it meet, ends meet with it, and, you know, the ones who, are, who have the good teaching positions and who are, you know, kind of the... You know the 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 kings of the underground. You know the the real celebrated artists, the one that you know everybody. No, you know nobody disagrees that these guys are are, are the bomb. And um, you know a lot of times the the really top artists, the ones that have made it, uh, hire them. You know, uh, so a lot of the, the teachers that I was learning from, they've all. You know they've toured with a lot of the big artists, um, but it's not like they're really a part of that that star system. You know, um, so there's there's always this feeling like a lot of the really big artists are, are kind of using them. You know, they're you know for, for, for you know they're 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 stealing their funk in some way, and they're 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 cashing in on a lot of that that real street soul. You know, so there's definitely that tension between the the very successful artists. And the ones who have devoted their lives often, but are are kind of working in in obscurity, you know. Uh, and there's definitely a sense that people go to New York to learn. And I think a lot of my teachers, um, you know, they have some great relations. I, I hope they have that relationship with us. Where like we've, you know, we've tr been trying to bring them up here as much as we can. And um, you know, budgets are obviously always an issue. <laughs> so. But um, when we do manage to bring them up, they're always so happy to be able to to share, and you know, they're they're happy that we're spreading the their their gospel of their way of seeing art, you know. Uh, but in a lot of ways, I think you know, often people go to New York, take one class, and then they'll go back to you know Tokyo or <coughs> Paris or Lisbon or wherever they're going back to, and then they'll start teaching it. And uh, I know that burns a lot of them up for sure. It's really, it's really fascinating that um, you brought up the star system in, in New York because I lived in Montreal for three years and um, I uh, ve was very much aware of the, the Quebec star system. Mm -hmm. So there is a star system within Canada. It's just that mm -hmm. it's French and it's uh, unique to a, a very specific province and a very yeah. specific town. Um, and I saw a lot of that in Montreal, uh, particularly in the film industry. So I worked with, you know... Um, some top talent in the film industry and you could tell you know who's writing whose coattails and who is um like uh, for example you know um i directed a, a music video with pascal bussière um and shortly after that i started getting emails from people saying hey can you get pascal to do this for us and mm -hmm. i was like i was like whoa wow this is something that is very foreign to um to a you know a Franco uh, Canadian outside of Quebec, so mm. it's um, the arts in Canada. Let's talk about that for a minute here before we get to social media. Uh, I'm curious to know because you're originally from Montreal. Is there a reason why you didn't go back to participate in the Star System in Quebec? <clears throat> 
So, yeah, I mean, we really have two different um, arts communities in Canada. And I mean, you know, Montreal is a is a very, very interesting place and it, it really has two different worlds going on. So on the on the one side, you've got, um, you know, the sort of outward looking, uh, very international, you know, house music scene and in Montreal for, for I'm talking specifically for dance music. Okay. And then on the other side, you've got this, what you're referring to, which is that, that Quebec star system, mostly, um, you know, um, French language music. Um, that's, that's really focused on that, that French language and French identity. Right. So, I mean, I would say they're, they're two very, very different worlds that are coexisting there. And the, where, uh, you know, on the English side, it's much more aligned to what's going on in Toronto in terms of the people that are coming through the artists that people are bringing in and the type of music that's being made and the type of nightclubs that, that happen and the events that, well, that were happening <laughs> before the pandemic. Uh, but then on the other side, you've got this whole other, like you're referring to the star system and it's uh it's much more aligned with what's going on in france and uh, and you know in some in some cases with the rest of the francophonie in uh, in africa and mostly in africa really because that's where most of the french-speaking countries are right um so yeah it's it's uh it's kind of a two two tiers of of uh that that star system going on there or that you've got the star system on the one side and then you've got the, the underground canadian music on the other side and then you've always got you know the big you know the big international names that are kind of tied into the the big promoters and a lot of the radio stations and that kind of stuff and and that's more you know um coming from the american companies that operate up here because we do have a lot of american companies operating up here and they're uh they're pushing you know aside from the CanCon stuff, which is really an anomaly <laughs> um, and, and doesn't exist in the internet world. Um, so it's, it's quite a, you know, there's a lot of power uh, dynamics and there's a lot of corporate interests in the art scene. Um, and then, you know, I, the music that I make doesn't even really, like it doesn't even register on those people's radar. You know, I was reminiscing the other day about how, when I was 14 years old, I got in my head that I was going to get a, a song that I'd produced played on the radio. And I started going to all the offices here and, you know, it took me like, it took me a week to understand that these places are really their distribution arms of American companies, you know, and there was just zero chance that my stuff was going to end up on commercial radio. So I just kind of gave up on that like 32 years ago, you know? And well, I mean, besides, I see you more as almost an experimental artist, because I find that you, you tend to pick something that you really like, and you do something with it, uh, whether it's a, it's a new sound or a new, uh, you know, cultural experience or whatever. I, to me, that's, that's who I see when I see Rise Ashen. Mm. Um, uh, in regards to social media, okay, so let's talk about that for a minute because I, I've had a lot of artists on the show. We haven't really, we've talked a little bit about how technology has changed their game, but uh, you brought it up and I, I think it's um, a discussion worth having. Uh, how has that impacted um, not only your work, but the arts community around you? I think technology is constantly... Um it's constantly shaping how people consume art. And in my short, you know, like a, it's 30 years, it sounds long. It's really short in the grand scheme of things. And, uh, you know, in my 30 years in, in music, I've seen the coming and going of several technologies, starting with vinyl, which was, you know, omnipresent when I was 14, 15, 16, and then started to fade very quickly after that. And, and cassettes also, and then, you know, the CD, which was such a huge thing when it came in and, <clears throat> and just changed the way that people were consuming music. And then, 
you know, and then the internet came and song sharing happened and that was huge. And then, you know, that turned everything on its head. And then, and then again with streaming, it happened in the last, you know, I would say what, eight, nine years, it happened again. So it's several times the, the industry or, you know, whatever in between brackets industry has been turned on its head in my short little career, you know? So I think it's just, you know, this is just how it is. The techno, you know, we're living in times when the technology is fundamentally changing the fabric of our society, and the way that people consume art is just one of those things. Um, but certainly, as an artist, you feel buffeted by the the winds of change constantly. And uh, you know, as as it's going along, you know, I mean, when vinyl was was king, we we were pressing vinyl and going to Toronto and going to Montreal and selling it in the stores. And it was, it was exciting. And it was a, it was a viable business, you know, like we were actually, you know, we would, we would come up with these little underground records and and we were able to make them, you know, successful to a certain extent, to, to the extent that we could keep doing it and, and keep, you know, paying our expenses and paying ourselves a bit. And it was an exciting thing to be doing. And then, when CDs started and then CDs were a viable thing. And then we were, you know, we were printing CDs and then we were selling them at shows and we were making money with it. And it was, it was feeding the whole machine, you know, we weren't getting rich off of it, but it was, it was enough that it was keeping us going. And then, and then the song sharing stuff started happening, the file, the Napster and all that started happening. And it was like, Oh boy, like, (laughs) how are we going to do this? And then it was selling MP3s and that was kind of, you know, it was maybe a, it was a fraction of what we were doing with CDs, but it was still, you know, there was still something. Uh, but with the last <laughs> iteration of the music business, the uh, or people say the business music, <laughs> it's not really the music business, the business music. Um, the last one has just it really kicked me in the pants. Like I, you know, the uh, the the streaming is just an absolutely horrible model for artists. There's, I mean, there's just no. You know, there's no sugarcoating it. It's brutal. It's uh, the, it's interesting, right? Because uh, the um, the streaming is great for people, like for for listeners, right? Yeah. Because um, I can create a playlist on Spotify. I can discover new music, and same. And it's interesting because it took me a long time to move to Spotify. For a long time, I was stuck on music videos, so hmm. I was making playlist on youtube um but yeah i hear that the model really sucks uh financially yeah there's no i mean there's no sugarcoating it but you know i agree with you that it's it can be an amazing tool and i think some people are really using and some djs have really embraced it like i've I've just had such a a knee-jerk reaction to spotify that i just can't get into it like i know i should and everyone's always asking me for playlists i say oh listen why do you need a playlist i got a mix just listen to this mix instead you know but people just don't consume music. Well, not that many people. Dancers consume mixes. Like when I listen to music, I love to listen to mixes. So I'll seek out a DJ. I'll follow them. I'll go on their mix cloud. Or now it's Twitch. You know, Twitch is a big thing. Um, so I like to listen to DJs mixing records. But uh, for individual songs, I, I get it. It's very convenient and it's it's a great way to share. Um, but, uh, you know, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it definitely is. How and yeah. how about the pressure for self promotion? You know, so um, again, social media. Uh, you know, you, you you were saying how it, it has divided people and all that stuff, but also um, it has created an um, this weird scenario where artists are responsible for their own self promotion. Um, you know, I I'm I work as a digital strategist. I have a few artists under my uh, you know as my clients, and um, 
boy, is it ever overwhelming for them. It's, it's a tough, tough, um, landscape, I guess. Yeah, so how do you, incredible. how do you handle that? Listen, I mean, I know people ask me all the time, like, how do you get so much, you know, traction on Facebook and stuff like that? I, I don't even, I don't even really consider that I've, I've, uh, you know, if you look at someone like, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk and people like, like, these are the masters of it, you know, for me, I dabble in it. I, I do what I can, you know, I try to allocate as much time as I can to sharing stuff and, and understanding the platforms and understanding what they do. And I, I do, uh, you know, I think it's really important for artists to be, spending some amount of time on social media to try to understand, you know, what people are saying, what the trends are, what the music is that people are sharing and how people are, you know, how music fits into that world. Uh, but for example, like, uh, you know, TikTok, like I really need to spend, you know, some time learning TikTok, you know, it's like, I, I know that there are Im immense opportunities there to connect with people. And it's just how much time do you want to spend on it? And at the end of the day, you know, being an artist, it's, it's a practice. And if you're, if you're spending all your time doing those things and you're not going to be spending the deep, you know, you know, profound amount of time that you need in the studio you know, the extensive amount of time that you need to be honing your skills. Right. So it's a weird world where you could easily spend all day just promoting something, but you could also easily spend all day just working on your craft and getting better at it and creating also, you know, I mean, no matter how great you are, it still takes a lot of time to create something, uh, especially something great. And so it's this strange thing where I think a lot of the young artists are spending way more time promoting themselves than we ever were. Um, but maybe this is just the, the way, I mean, it's just the way it has to be right now. Um, but I know for a fact that artists, you know, a long time ago, were not spending this time doing, I know from reading biographies of the great jazz musicians that they were spending time playing, you know, like they, that's how they spent their time. And, uh, ultimately there's, a, there are only so many hours in the day. And if you're spending all your time promoting yourself, then, you know, it's uh, and then it's also a conundrum because at the same time you've got access to every single song that ever comes out is just there, and so, and the minute something is really good, it gets shared like crazy. So you've got this environment where it's almost, and I I feel it as well as an artist is like I don't even want to put out ninety percent of the stuff that I do because I feel like everything is so polished and so finished that. Um, it's not the type of environment where people want to hear your rough drafts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah. It's like you're expected to be always hitting with your best thing, like everything you put on. You're only as good as the last record you put out, you know? And so it's a, it's the type of thing where, you know, like we censor ourselves so much in what we say because we want to get those likes or we want people to, you know, you don't want to be publicly shamed for something that you say. Well, it's the same thing artists are doing it constantly. They're constantly self-censoring. And I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's good for the scene. I don't think it's good for the art. Um, but it's the way that these algorithms have been programmed. I mean, the algorithms were not programmed with art in mind. That's the bottom line here. The algorithms are programmed with one thing in mind, and that's engagement. And so they're trying to engage as many people as possible for as long as possible so that they can sell them stuff. And they do it brilliantly. And uh, and we are the product, you know? And uh, so this it's this really effed up thing that we are the resource that is being mined you know we are the bitcoin that they're after you know the mind our minds our taste our opinions our our data is what's what's being mined you know it's it's almost like an unthinking machine and it's just after 
it's after engagement. That's what it wants. And that's what it's getting. And the art is just one of the other things that's fallen by the wayside, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you, actually. I, and it's funny because I I just uh, released a, a blog article this evening complaining, not complaining, but pretty much pointing out the same thing in that um, the art scene has kind of gone to shit because of the self-censorship, the this kind of sanitization, um, uh, the, the online version of the artist's world. Um, and and I, I see it. I see it in the art that's being produced sometimes because people don't have these experimental physical spaces to play in. You know, there's no Especially like... Especially not now with the pandemic, No, right? yeah. exactly, exactly. So yeah. everybody's on TikTok, everybody's on Instagram, and these large corporations tend to dominate the uh, the kind of discourse that can be had. Yeah. Um, do you find that that it's um, there's a lack of rebels today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the whole spirit of um, being a physical, like the whole punk mentality, and the, even hip hop too. You know, the rebelliousness and the just the the self centered, uh, which is part of of art is just this like self-serving self-centered thing where you just go out and you don't give a rat's you know like you just you just don't care you're just out there and you're expressing your individuality you're expressing your condition you're talking about your condition and uh i think that that is very very rare these days it's it's few and far in between are the artists who are really honestly just speaking out you know, make creating what they want when they want and just like not caring what, um, you know, and part of it is just, it's just really hard to devote the amount of time that is required to make art, right? So everybody has, everybody has to eat, everybody has to live somewhere. Um, you know, a lot of people have kids. Um, you, you, you don't want to just, uh, you don't want to rock the boat too much, right? But that's the beginning of the death of your your expression as well and so you know it's one of the reasons and i mean everybody has to navigate this their own way every artist has to find the path that works for them and i certainly don't um i don't blame anyone for how they're they're creating and how they're what they're choosing to speak out against and what they're choosing to do uh, but to me i got to a point when i was in my early 20s where i was working as an artist professionally and um it's like it's like that book, The Fountainhead, you know? It's like at one point, if you can't do your art for yourself, what's the point, you know? When you get to a certain point where you're creating for people and they're dictating what the art is going to be done like, at one point, you just feel like it's a form of prostitution. And to me, I had this, this horrible feeling a few times doing corporate jobs where I was just like, you know what? I can't do this. I would rather work as a manual laborer. You know, I, I have other pursuits. Like I, I work in real estate, you know, I do lots of other things, I, you know, the physical training stuff. And to me, it's, it, you know, with the art, I, I need to keep that pure. Like that has to be for me. Um, there's a, you know, it doesn't matter how much money I'm making with it. I would rather just not make any money with it at all and be able to really keep that pure for myself. That's just my personal, you know, I'm, I understand, you know, people need to do what they need to do. And I, you know, blessings to them. Um, but for me, it's like nobody can tell me what to do with my music. Like I need to do it for myself. And if it's, uh, if, if I can't get paid for it, then that's fine. I'll just do it for myself. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a... Uh, 
it's like, where do you draw the line? You know, you have to make a living, you have to work and you have to contribute in, in, and you have to be useful to other people. Uh, but there's, okay. My, one of my mentors is Archie Burnett, the dancer in Brooklyn. And I interviewed him for my, my podcast called gone monk. And in it, he said, you have to make time, uh, for your inner child. You know, every day you have to make time for your inner child. So I think a lot of times when artists are pursuing their art, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make time to honestly express themselves the way that a kid does, you know, the way that with a spontaneous relationship that you have with the world around you. And it's a spontaneous expression, an honest expression, right? And if even your art can't be that, if you're going after likes and, you know, and you're worried about who's going to, who's going to, it's going to laugh at you or shame you or give you a thumbs down on YouTube or whatever. It's like, you know, that's, that's just not going to go well. You're layering stress upon stress upon stress and expectations upon expectations. And that's just not how art works. Like art has to be an honest expression of your feelings. And uh, the minute that you're, you're, you're not being true to it, in my experience, for me, it's, it becomes a, a hell it's like a living hell. <laughs> so you got to, like Sidney Beckett said, you got to treat it gentle. Music is a thing that you got to treat gentle. And it's, um, you know, you can't, you know, you can't corrupt it. If you corrupt it, you, it just punishes you. That's uh, those are some very wise words. <laughs> um, it's, and it's a lot to unpack because it's uh it made me think, I, I was thinking visually when you were speaking, of course, I'm, I'm more of a, vi a visual artist, but I was thinking about, you know, the days of finding um, artists, like you said, who are just playing and getting popular by playing in in the clubs, that that's that's uh, almost disappearing because I think there's a um, there's an online world that is kind of taking over real life, you know, in a way. And, and I think... Um, I think hopefully after this pandemic, one of the things I'd really love to do is go visit New York, go visit uh, Berlin and and Lisbon and all these places and go into the clubs and see what's actually being done there. Um, because I think that that's really um, the best key into seeing like what's the new art that's being produced that isn't sanitized and, and um, you know, like friendly to the web. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, graffiti, you know, like when you, when you go into a new, new city, like yeah, it's in those underground clubs, it's, it's at one, two in the morning when you're out and you're seeing what people are doing. That's the, the, the pulse, you know, and you, you get it, you just, you can feel it. And, uh, it's been like, it's kind of a ghost town, you know, even during the day downtown in Ottawa, have you, have you been downtown oh at, at 9.30 in the morning on a Monday? <laughs> yeah, I live downtown. I, I know, I know what this is like. <laughs> it's shocking, right? Like it's, uh, so I did an interview recently for CBC and they're asking me about my opinions on the, the local art scene right now. And I was like, look, it's an apocalypse. Like it's literally been an apocalypse for the arts. And you know, my personal, I, you know, I, I don't, um, I don't know. I, you know, Hey, maybe it's going to be like, uh, that movie pandemic, I think it was called where everything just all of a sudden stops and the vaccine comes out and everybody's just, you know, everyone's cured and everything's great and all the masks come off. But I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> ah, What do you think is going to happen? 
Well, I think, you know, it's going to be like the flu. It's like it's constantly mutating. It's already, you know, there's tons of variants. And I think it's just going to be with us forever. I don't think it's going away. So part of me thinks it's just, you know, it's just going to be like the flu. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to stick around. Yeah, I don't see it disappearing. But I I don't think the the restrictions are going to stick around. I'm curious to know, what would be an ideal scenario for you? Let's say things were to open up again. Um, What would be, I'll tell you right now, here's one thing I'd like to see locally here in Ottawa is more creative spaces, as in empty spaces (laughs) for people to just jam. Um, But I'm curious to know from your perspective in the music world, um, what, what would be an ideal scenario to to kind of um, kickstart music in, in Ottawa, but also in Canada? Well, I mean, look, the, the, the scene was incredible up until this thing started. I, I you know, the amount of, of jams and parties and things that were happening in Ottawa, it was absolutely incredible. And I mean, every week there were two, three, four or five events. I mean, it was, uh, it was really a thriving music scene and, um, not that everyone was was making livings out of it, but there was the music happening, and there were a ton of, of venues where where stuff was happening. So, I think even if we could come back to even a half of what was happening, it would be just absolutely magical. Um, I know a lot of people have have gotten other jobs and switched there. A lot of professional DJs, a lot of people who were were making a living out of it, have just had to face the reality that this is just not happening right now. So they've they've gone on, they've gone back to school, they've they've um, you know, they've changed their plans. And you know, that's something that happens um on a regular basis with art in general. Like a lot of people they'll do it full time in their twenties and and then, you know, life happens and responsibilities grow and then they find other ways to to make a living. So it's constantly happening anyway. Um, but I would say that I've, you know, never experienced, well, I don't think any of us have ever experienced anything like this. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of the people that are still creating are the ones who had found an equilibrium in their life where they were able to make the art and also have a day job, you know, so balancing, you know, the different sides of it, which is really demanding. It's not, it's not for everybody. And, uh, you know, but I kind of feel like it's going back to more of that old school, you know, thing where, you know, if you look at a lot of the, the traditional societies, you know, from, from Africa to all over the indigenous Americas, you know, everybody was an artist in some way. Everyone had, you know, music as part of their life. Everyone had these, these cultural practices. And, um, I kind of feel like this is forcing us to get back to something that's been, you know, more like how humans have always done it. That's, you know, that is that you, you know, you plow your field, you take care of your kids and you also, you know, you make music and celebrate once in a while. And so, I don't know, maybe this is more normal. Oh, maybe. Uh, I'm really curious. We have about 15 minutes left. Um, you are a three-time uh, Juno nom- nominee. Now yeah, for that's, the, uh, inter- that's like the for, Grammys. In I was just about to say, <laughs> for our international uh, listeners, the Junos here in Canada are like the Grammy Awards in the, in the United States. Um, so that's that's a that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good run. Uh, but I'm curious to know: Have you ever suffered from imposter syndrome? All the time. I mean, uh, and I think every artist does. And I think it gets back to what I was mentioning earlier, where, you know, we have this really good taste naturally as artists. We're, 
you know, we start out really young with this really good taste, but we're not able to express it. And then as we go along, we learn and we figure out how to do it. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times we're, you know, we're left in that state of, you know, we're always 14 in our minds, always trying to to figure out how to do this thing that we want to do. And, you know, you work hard enough at something, you're going to, you're going to figure it out. Um, but in our minds, we're still in that mindset of, of the beginner's mind. And so in a lot of ways, I think it's really healthy. I don't think, uh, you know, I think it's kind of the, you know, instead of fighting it, sometimes I think it's good to, to acknowledge it and to just, you know, to try to delve deep into it and understand it. Um, but at the same time, you have to realize, you know, you have to appreciate how much you've done and, you know, it's, it's helpful. Even what you're doing now helps me because you're acknowledging this path that I've taken and you're, you're validating my, my choices in life. You know what I mean? <laughs> by, by giving me your attention and by sharing me with your listeners. So it's, it, I think as artists, we really appreciate when, when somebody's willing to listen to what we've done or to, to grant us some of their attention, you know? So I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, hey. I mean, it's uh, it's funny because I was actually, you can't see me because we don't have our video on right now, but I was actually nodding the whole time you were saying that because I can totally relate, uh, you know, as an artist that it's so nice to just uh, to have somebody kind of welcome our voice, you know, yeah. um, whether you're a musician or a visual artist or, you know, a writer. Uh, it's always nice to be invited and not have to beg, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. a, it's a nice change. Um, it is. And it's such like, you know, the social media has made that part a lot harder because it's, you know, there's a story I've been, I've been telling this story a lot. So one of the incredible artists, another American artist that I've had the blessing to, to work with is Cahil Elzabar of the Chicago Ethnic Heritage Ensemble. And he was the drummer for Nina Simone when he was you know, 1920, moved to Switzerland and France with her and followed her and they toured with her. I mean, this guy is just an incredible musician. Like when he plays, I don't know, it's hard to describe. If you ever get a chance to, to hear him, you know, you should. Well, do. He's, just a, he's, he's, he's amazing. And so, <clears throat> you know, I follow, obviously I'm friends with him on Facebook and I, you know, I devour anything that he posts because it's always super profound and beautiful. And he's always sharing this, this, his artistry and his craft that he's honed for the past 40 years, you know? And, um, the, it was a couple of, um, Februarys ago and he posted today marks the 30th year that I've been touring with my band. <laughs> You know, and I was just like, wow, you know, 30 years. And the very next post after was like, I think it was one of my other friends that was like, oh, I'm so, my feet are sore. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Like the two, you know, the juxtaposition of these two things, right? So like what you're talking about where we have to constantly be be hyping ourselves up and constantly screaming like how can you compete if you have 4000 friends i mean how can you compete with 4000 people with sore feet and can you can i get a recommendation for the best you know i don't know whatever thing you know and it's just like oh by the way today it's 30 years that i've been doing this <laughs> i've been touring the world with my band and it's all on equal footing right like there's no, there's no hierarchy. There's no prioritizing like, oh my God, that's an incredible accomplishment. 30 years of touring with a band, you know? So yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's a funny world we're living in. 
<laughs> it's very weird. I mean, some would argue it has democratized it. I mean, yeah. in a way that, you know, if you can actually game the system. Um, but nowadays, I mean, now it's pay to play. And now you have to buy advertising to really stand out. So that really answers your question, which is, yeah. which is if you want to stand out, you got to pay for it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the new way of doing things. Um, I'm curious to know, because you are a father. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, you are, uh, I, I guess, are you, are you two married? Do you and your partner or? We're, we're, uh, walking the path of life together. <laughs> okay. So spouses, spouses is the correct way I can part, say I'd say partner. partner. Okay. I, spouse feels weird. Wife All definitely right. feels like some kind of like <laughs> 1800s, like she's my chattel or something. Then I hate that. So I really have been trying for years to not use those types of words, but okay. we're partners. We're, we're in it to win it. You know, All right. Yeah. Well, I wanted, I wanted to bring this up because your partner is also very artistic. She's also a dancer, um, mm -hmm. a performer, um, I think um, a huge influence. And and you guys mm -hmm. would just work well together. You, you can tell that the bond is there, you know. Mm. Um, and then now you have you have children. And I'm curious to know, like, um, if, if the kids decide that they want to do art. Is that something that you'd be happy to to kind of you know push them in, into that that direction? Yeah, I mean they're already doing art, so I mean it's great. But I think they're gonna get like <laughs> it's like they're gonna get a real dose of of you know um, reality from us because you know we both uh, are you know we both had you know and have you know aspirations to do art every day forever and. Uh, I think they're going to get a very specific, um, you know, push from us, which is going to be, yeah, do art, do it right now, do it every day, forever, but also learn to contribute in other ways because pandemics happen, <laughs> you know, and it's like, make sure you're able to contribute to society in other ways because, you know, art is, has a place in, in the world, but it's certainly not the be all and end all of everything, you know, and I think it's, I think it's really detrimental that we have this, you know, this obsession with making money out of art, you know, it's, uh, I've suffered so much from this my whole life, you know, and this, it's been this whole, like, you know, it's like an obsession that we have of like, oh, when I'm going to make it, I'm going to be able to live off my art. And hey, man, great. I mean, you know, but you're still going to need to brush your teeth. <laughs> you're still going to need to, you're still going to need to work out. You're still going to need to drive. You're still going to need to do all these other things. So why even like, why even go down this road of trying to tell yourself you're just going to do that? You're not just going to do that. You know, you're going to be a a parent you're going to be like i said a driver like you know the amount of driving you got to do in, in north america is crazy <laughs> you gotta drive like you're gonna have to you have to locomote you're gonna have to move around you're gonna have to you know and then you're gonna want to move you're gonna want to relate to people on on, on other terms other than just as an artist so you know, but it's like, you know, and it's the system, it's the economic system. Like we're always trying to fit everything into the, into the bloody economic system. You know, it's like everything, all these human impulses that we've been doing for, you know, for time immemorial, like they have to fit into these little boxes and we have to say, okay, well, you're a professional and you do this professionally. Well, it's like, no, man, I just do this. This is who I am. You know, it's like an artist is who I am. I create stuff everybody's an artist, you know, everyone can be an artist. Like, it's just, do you want to do it? Like, if you want to do it, then you're an artist. There you go. You're done. 
you're there. You know, you don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. You just are an artist. Take a piece of paper. Here's a pencil. You're an artist. Boom. You got my stamp of approval. <laughs> you know, it's like, like we're so society puts so much emphasis on this, like making a living off of it. And I think it's really destructive because it's uh, everything gets tangled. Like we should be celebrating the joy of, of pe pencil on paper, you know? We should be celebrating the joy of spontaneously dancing. And yeah, like for, for Tangent and myself, like our home is all about that. Like we, you know, we've, we've, uh, you know, like there's training apparatus all over our house, even on the main floor, there's stuff to hang from. There's like, we've really created this and she's an architect. So, I mean, she's deep into design and how design influences your lifestyle. And so you know, we've really kind of taken this approach of, of um, trying to incorporate art into everything that we do. And, you know, a lot of people think we're crazy. Our kids, you know, like <laughs> we let our kids uh, ride their rollerblades and scooters inside the house. <laughs> it's like, it's a madhouse in here. Oh, like it's man. just a total mad. But like, man, that's like a dream come true as a kid to rollerblade in your house. <laughs> I probably like, do it as a grown up, to be honest. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man, just like creating, it's the ultimate human impulse, you know? So I think, you know, I'm definitely just going to encourage them to pursue art and every, and I do, I mean, I, I just try to do it with them actually is like what I try to do and jam with them musically and also just visually like draw with them and just like try to relate to them on their level, you know, where they're at with their process. So. I, so I, we have about five minutes left. I, I'm really curious to know who um, are there any uh, other artists that you've been um, eager to work with? Are there any other styles that you've been kind of, you know, really curious about? What's what's next on the agenda? Um, well, you know, it's funny through the making videos has been really a lot of fun, and I've been really enjoying, um, like you mentioned, the my little. Um, my little life story there that I created. And, um, I don't know, it's, it, I, I'm really drawn to, to the more mixed medium, you know, like the, the, you know, involving video and, and particularly like the storytelling aspect of video of, I've, I've made so many music videos over the years and it's always been, you know, they're really music videos trying to convey more of a groove and a sense of the, the vibe and, the, you know, the, the art that, that the music is, you know, and, and trying to come up with visual representations of, of what the music is. But um, lately I've been, you know, I've been trying to embrace the narrative and I kind of feel like that's been missing from, from my work anyway. And so I've been trying to learn about that, but I don't know, I've been, uh, you know, roller skating and, uh, you know, uh, you know, riding, uh, riding a skateboard and just like everything is, you know, when, when you start to understand how to create art, I think anything that you put your mind to, you can, you can do it in that, you know, with that methodology. And so I don't know, it's just super exciting. You know, I talk about my mom all the time cause she's 73 and she's, uh, she's just this really, she's a lifelong learner, you know, she's constantly picking up new things and, you know, she's been studying a Mandarin Chinese for about I don't know, it's 20 years now. And, you know, when I was in my twenties, I met a Kung Fu teacher and I brought her with me and he taught her Tai Chi. And so she's been practicing that for the last 20 years. She got a black belt in Aikido a couple of years ago and <laughs> she's something else, man. She's a force of nature. <laughs> Lately she's been drawing and I've been watching her draw and learn to draw. 
And so, I don't know, I think it's important to always be challenging yourself and, you know, creating those new neural networks and, you know, building synapses as you get older, because it's just, you know, it doesn't need to slow down, man. Positive aging, hashtag positive aging all the way. Well, it sounds to me like this is is, uh, probably in the genes in terms of, (laughs) you know, of uh, exploration and curiosity. It sounds like it's in your genes for sure. Um, Maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's learned. Or the good good influence, you know. Yeah, good influence. Yeah, Yeah, one of those things. For sure. I think we we can all do that, you know, and there's no, there's no, I think the, the, the thing is to guard yourself against these corporate interests. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, we, we've alluded to it a few times, but if you just do what you're supposed to do right now, what, what, what these companies want you to do and what the, you know, the social media wants you to do, I mean, it's going to be really, really negative for you. So I think you need to have, you need to protect yourself. You need to, uh, erect barriers around yourself that will allow you to have some sanctity in your life and to have a little bit of, of peace of mind. Because if you don't, I mean, it's, it's a rat race out there. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great message to, to end on. I think, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. So I'm really glad that we had a chance to speak about this rise. It's been, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, uh thanks again for coming on the show. And, uh, I hope that people take the time to go and discover your work. You are at riseashen.ca. Uh, we were going to post all the links that you sent to me, uh, in the show notes. So, uh, please go check that out and, uh, rise. I, I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. And if, if the music resonates with you, please get in touch. Um, you know, I'd love to, to share and to, to learn other people's stories as well. Wonderful. Wonderful.